Today is the last session uh, as far as the book of Revelation is concerned. Uh, you'll be surprised to know today is the 41st week. In fact, we have been studying the book of Revelation for the past 41 weeks. And um, we have been studying about this apocalyptic book. Uh, you know, how do you think this book should end? Because there's so much of devastation, war, uh, monsters, uh, deep pit, all kinds of things are there. You know, it's almost like a horror movie. How do you, if you have to end this book, how will you end that book? And today we are coming, we are coming, we have come to that place where this book is coming to an end. The story is coming to an end. In fact, the word of God is coming, uh, as far as the scripture is concerned, it's coming to an end. What started in Genesis, now it's coming to an end. And it's important for us to understand the significance of this ending. And that's what we are going to see today. So we are, uh, we are right here, John's vision of the heavenly Jerusalem. And that's the last vision. And today, we are looking at the conclusion and we can call this conclusion as an invitation, invitation for everyone and also as a warning uh, not to take this lightly. That's what we see in this conclusion. So we are going to start from verse 12, uh, Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give and I will give to each person according to what they have done. When we read the Old Testament, uh, the Old Testament always says that God is a righteous God and would reward his people. There's no doubt about it. Because when we see in Genesis 15, 1, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your very great reward. <clears throat> so that, that, that has been emphasized clearly in the Old Testament. Even the psalmist says in 1911, by them your servant is warned, in keeping them there is great reward. Uh, not only the Bible says that God will reward us, the Bible also says God will reward us according to our deeds. There could be many references in the New Testament, but we'll keep going back to the Old Testament. Uh, Psalm 62, 12 says, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love and you reward everyone according to what they have done. So this concept of reward is very clear in the Old Testament. Uh, they had no doubt, not only God has rewards with him, uh, he will also reward according to what each one has done. Uh, it is from this verse, the concept of God as a judge uh, comes to view. Uh, people say that we will see him as the judge and it is from this verse. We go to the next verse. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Now, what is the significance of this verse? You can unmute yourself and you can answer. What is the significance of this verse? He has, he has uh, started and now he says, I'm uh, bringing uh, things to a close. Yeah, beginning and the end. Okay. Uh, how, how do we, re for the first century Christians, what is the significance? Yes, he has started, it will bring to an end. Uh, how does this message conveys to the first century Christians? Uh, the way we, uh, for us, it may not be a struggle to accept 
Jesus Christ as God. We should keep this in mind, but for the first century Christians, it was a struggle to accept Jesus Christ as God. So what we have in these verses, there's a reinforcement of the deity of Christ and that it's being reinforced in three different ways. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. John has no, John, a disciple of Jesus, has no doubt in his mind that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Jesus Christ is God. He has no doubt. So he is reinforcing to his readers or to the members of the seven churches, you know, Jesus Christ is God, Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And by saying the beginning and the end, these seven churches were, you know, they were undergoing persecution. So basically, John is telling them, Christ rules history. Keep in mind, Christ rules history. This is the message he's telling to his first century believers. And because it is God's word that's applicable to us, and we can also say that whatever happens, Christ rules history. There was a First World War, there was a Second World War, there was Stalin, there was a Pol Pot, there was a Hitler. You know, in the midst of all that, Christ rules history. He is the beginning and the end. So we go to the next verse. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Now, blessed are those who wash their robes. In fact, it is a summon. It's a command. You are blessed if you have washed your robes. Uh, but in, a, in this verse, uh, in this book, you should always keep uh, looking at the context also. This is also a warning to the Sardians, to the church at Sardis. If you remember, we saw in Revelation chapter 3, there's a warning to them, to the believers in Sardis. When they, you know, if they had heard this letter being read, uh, they were able to connect themselves in a, in a very clear manner. Yet you have a few people inside this who have not soiled their clothes, only a few people. So most of you have soiled your clothes. There is a warning for you, for the most of you, better you wash your robes with the blood. That's the warning that comes. Uh, and the, if you have read this, if you have heard this letter, any, um, anyone who has heard this letter clearly, he has no doubt that his robe should be washed in the blood of Jesus. Because in Revelation 7, 14, we have seen the reference, I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. So they had no doubt that it is only those who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb can go through the gates into the city. And it is only they will have the right to the tree of life. Uh, Christianity is not about, it's not a moral religion. It is not about you do this, you are saved. No, it's not that. Our salvation comes because of what Jesus did on the cross. And that is what is being emphasized here. Our standing before God is not because of our righteousness, not because I keep some rules, so I have been, I can stand before God. It is all because of what Jesus did on the cross on my behalf. It is in that we have salvation. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to save everyone. 
first to the Jew and to the Gentile. So if the power is in what Jesus did on the cross, the more we understand this, we understand that what is meant by washing our robes in the blood of Christ. The, the, when we stand before God, we know we have no standing. We have, you know, we, we cannot stand on our own. It is because of what Jesus did and how he has forgiven our sins that we have a right to go through the gates into the city. And the Bible is very clear. Only those who have washed their robes may go through the gates into the city. This is the biblical position. And when we come to the next verse, outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Um, it is very clear, at least from the biblical perspective, that not everyone will be welcome to enter this great city. Uh, you know, that's why when people say that what we call as universalism, towards the end, everybody will be saved. I don't know on what basis they say. We would love, we would love to see that everybody is saved. That's our love. But we do not have a biblical position to say that everybody will be, somehow everybody will be saved because God is a God of love. That's it's very difficult for us to take this position from the biblical perspective. Uh, what I love to see, I have not God. God is God. I have to follow God's word. And the you know, God's word is very clear that all will not enter the gate. The city gate is not open to everyone. In fact, Jesus himself gives us a partial list of those who will not be able to enter the city gate. Jesus Christ himself gives. Revelation is from Jesus. So he himself gives the list outside of the dogs, those who practice magic arts. So he clearly says those who, those who are into sorcery, witchcraft, all kinds of demonic, occultic practices, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, those who practice falsehood, those who follow the beast, uh, they cannot enter the city, the New Jerusalem. Interestingly, we have a word here, outside or the dogs. All others are also outside. <clears throat> so, what does the term uh, dogs refer to? What do you think? The term... uh, uh, dogs will uh, vomit or spit uh, and it will eat it back. Okay. So, so that uh, those who are like that and even dogs will not enter. Uh, that is from our experience. That, that, that's the, uh, that's how we see dogs. So that's the knowledge we have about dogs. Uh, any idea of how this term dogs have been used in the Bible? The Samaritans were called, you know, were called as dogs, like those who compromise and uh, those who, you know, inter, uh, what is it, compromise their beliefs, their faith. Okay, those who are compromised there. <clears throat> what we can make out is probably dogs refer to male prostitutes. And uh, <clears throat> why we say that, if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 18, you must not bring the earnings of a female prostitute 
or of a male prostitute. And if you see in your footnote in the Bible, you will see Hebrew of a dog. So probably we feel this refers to male prostitutes. And um, it's all talking about sexual immorality. Uh, you can call them as sodomites. Uh, where we have those references, probably. Uh, basically all kinds of sexual perversion, uh, perverted minds, uh, you know, people will not be able to enter. That's the, uh, that's the kind of uh, reading we can take from these words. Uh, if you see the footnote of Deuteronomy 23.18, it'll say Hebrew of a dog. So here it refers to a male prostitute. So probably we feel that outside are the male prostitutes. We go to the next verse. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. Uh, you know, this is the conclusion. We should keep this in mind. We, have, we are coming to the end of the story, end of the apocalyptic story. And Jesus is emphasizing that I am, I am behind this revelation. Whatever you have studied from chapter one onwards, I, Jesus, I, the son of God, I, the second person of Trinity, I, I, the word, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. I am behind this revelation. I am behind this vision. Jesus wants us to know very clearly Revelation is very important for all of us because it's coming directly from Jesus. I, Jesus. Even in the gospel writings or the epistle, Paul's epistles, we don't have terms like this, but here we have, I, Jesus, have sent my angel. I am speaking. That's the meaning we have. Jesus is, in other words, Jesus stands behind this entire revelation. Why revelation is important? It is coming directly from the resurrected Jesus. It's so important. This book is so important for Christian life because it's coming from the mouth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus is not only merely, merely the offspring of David, he is also the root. And uh, this is coming from Isaiah chapter 11, one. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit, all referring to Jesus. Now, the morning star probably comes from Numbers. Numbers 24, 17 says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of all the people of Sheth. Uh, so probably this morning star comes from this place. A star will come out of Israel. Uh, they are the chosen people and through the chosen race, uh, God will come as our savior. Now, when we read all the people of Sheth, let us not confuse this with Seth, son of Adam, S-E-T-H. Uh, let us not confuse this with that. Uh, this is not that one. This is basically, it refers to the sons of tumult, sons of uh, you know, confusion, problem. That's, that's the meaning, but it doesn't in no way refers to Adam's son. Uh, now we go to the next verse. This is the end of the book. Just keep that in mind. This is how Revelation is coming to an end. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Uh, probably the, when, we, when we see the spirit and the bride, the bride is the church, 
So the spirit, uh, the spirit who inspired the prophets, because uh, when we uh, went through the letters, letters to the seven churches, everywhere we found that reference to the spirit. For example, in Revelation 2, 7, whoever has ears, let them hear what the spirit says to the churches. Basically, it is the spirit and the, the, the bride, that's the churches. Uh, that's what we find in Romans chapter 8, the spirit groans. So it is that kind of reference. We go to the, uh, whatever the, the spirit says, it is basically seconded by the bride. We go to the next two verses. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of the scroll. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in the scroll. And if anyone takes words away from the scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in the scroll. John wants to make it sure these are words of God and no one has any right to add or to subtract or to delete or to modify. No. So it, it's ending with a warning. Just because you might find certain portions uncomfortable, it doesn't give you a liberty to change, to modify, because John knows uh, people will be copying this letter. And when people copy, probably they want, to, they want to add some explanation. So there was a tendency to add something. And uh, John wants to make it clear this is from Jesus. So nobody has the right to modify, whether he's a scribe or whoever it is. You cannot add. And that's the covenant language we will find all through the Bible. If you, if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 29, we find the curses. Anyone who adds to this covenant, to these instructions, uh, he will be subject to these curses. We read all the curses and blessings towards the end of Deuteronomy. That is the same kind of language that John is employing at this particular place that read this carefully. You might not understand, but you don't have the liberty to change this, to change it according to your convenience. Because people don't like to hear, you can modify this, this word like this. No, that's not allowed. Uh, John says nothing should be added or deleted. Uh, you know, for 21st century people, uh, this is like copyright. This is the ancient equivalent of copyright. You know, when we, in India, we don't follow the copyright um, to a great extent, but we all know what's meant by copyright. We are not supposed to change what the writer has said without his approval. And this is that kind of the ancient equivalent of copyright. So we go to the next verse. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Uh, you know, come, Lord, is basically an Aramaic term, Maranatha. It's an Aramaic term. And early churches, they prayed. It was their regular prayer. Maranatha was a regular prayer. Come, Lord Jesus. In other words, early church, they accepted Jesus as Lord, as God. Um, we should go back to that, to their um, thinking. It was not easy for them to accept um, Jesus as God, but they, they are slowly beginning to accept Jesus Christ as Lord. And that's why they say, come Lord Jesus, come Lord, Maranatha, Maranatha. That's, they have accepted Jesus is Lord. And uh, that, that's the challenge between the 
Jewish faith and Christian faith, what's the difference? They just couldn't accept Jesus as the Messiah. They couldn't accept Jesus as the son of God. They couldn't accept Jesus as God. And that's the struggle they still face. Still, they are waiting for the Messiah to come. The Jewish people are still waiting for the Messiah to come. And it is the Messianic Christians who have accepted Jesus as Lord. And uh, that's, uh, that's what he says. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. This is the last verse of the Bible. Last verse of the Bible. Genesis 22, 21. The grace of the Lord. Revelation 22, 21. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it ends, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. There's the best way to end this apocalyptic book. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. The more we recognize who this Lord Jesus is, and what he has done, I don't think there can be anything more comforting than this, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Without the grace of God, we cannot even call God as God. We are so, uh, we, are, we are far away from God. Fallen human beings are far away from God. It is only because of Jesus who has established the bridge, the wide gap has been filled so that we can go to God, stand before the throne of grace because of the grace of the Lord Jesus. None of us go because of our merit. All of us stand before God because of the grace of the Lord Jesus, hallelujah. And that is the last verse. And uh, it's a kind of benediction and uh, this, is what, this note is one of comfort and of love and of encouragement. It's a comfort, the grace of the Lord Jesus, once we know the resurrected Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. He has gone to prepare a place for us. He will come soon. And the love that he displayed on the cross and God's love displayed in and through this cross. And that gives us the encouragement. Our lives may come to an end. We may die, but we will live with our Lord Jesus forever and ever. And this end comes after reading all kinds of horrible um, visions, the kind of visions John is portraying great monsters, catastrophic judgments, there's an earthquake, the mountains are being thrown into the sea, the kings are hiding, running to the mountains to hide themselves behind the rocks. That's the kind of picture. And towards the end, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people, amen. So this, this is, um, John basically is closing this book with visions of hope and of heaven. The more we keep our eyes on heaven, the more we'll have hope in this fallen world. Even in the midst of COVID-19, if you know that we have made for a different place, if you have that heavenly vision, we'll be able to go through the crisis that we are facing. At last, we will enjoy the vision of God. We will experience the presence of God, <clears throat> the glory of God, the light of God, because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that gives uh, so much of comfort. So I want to just sum up this book. If you are talking about, if you are talking about the book of Revelation, now, with this, we have completed all the 22 chapters. So just we will sum up and see that 
how, what can we learn from this, um, this ending? The book of Revelation, <clears throat> it gives us encouragement. Uh, encouragement to go through crisis, to go through struggles, to go through our failures, go through persecution. This is the book which gives us encouragement. And that's the reason the first century Christians, they walked into the arena knowing fully well they will not live for more than a few minutes or maybe half an hour, one hour. They will not even live, but they walked into the arena smilingly, calm, with a peace. Even the spectators were not able to understand how can these people walk like this? because of the book of Revelation. It gave them that kind of an encouragement. So even when we face persecution, discrimination, we know we have not been made for this world. We have been made for the other world. Because of that, we'll be able to control our fear. We don't have to live like fearful people. We can come to God and say every day, Lord, you're my rock, you're my fortress. There is COVID-19 everywhere, but Lord, I know you are my rock, you are my fortress. Because we know, Lord, you are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the first and the last. You are the beginning and the end. So that every day we can make a commitment. Oh God, draw me closer to you. Let my hunger for you increase. Let my whole being long for you, O oh God. We can renew our commitment. And we need to keep this vision before us, day in and day out, as we see all kinds of uncertainty um, that's, that's happening around us. <clears throat> now, as we read this book, as we have come to this end of the book, we might think, oh, this looks like some kind of a disconnected warnings and promises. I said the last conclude the, the conclusion is all about invitation and warning. And when we read this um, 10 verses, that's 12 to 21, uh, we can say that it appears to be, it doesn't, it appears to be some kind of a disjointed or disconnected warnings and promises. But if you read it carefully, you will see the mastery, the skillful way in which John has written this book. There is a masterful artistry, artistic way in which he has knitted this book together. I'll just give you a few examples so that you will be able to uh, make up. The first thing is he is going to tell you know about the visions. It is all about visions. This book, you read all kinds of visions. Then I saw, then I saw, then I saw. He says they are all authentic visions. Um, John is making it very clear. As he ends the book, he says, don't take these visions lightly. They are all true. How does he say that? If you see in 22.6, he says, the angel said to me, these words are trustworthy. This is the last chapter. These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets. You know, you, you believe the Old Testament. Thus said the Lord. So because the, you know, the prophets, the Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, it is the very same spirit sent his angel to show his servants the things that may soon take place. He is emphasizing, is affirming the authenticity of visions because he has already said in chapter one, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. In other words, he says, whatever you, you have read from chapter one to chapter 22, remember, who is behind these visions? So these visions are authentic. We may not understand, we may not able to visualize, but those visions are authentic. That's what John wants to say. That. 
And he says, this is a kind of genuine prophecy. Don't doubt this. It is true. It is genuine. How does he say that? In the last chapter, verse 7, he says, look, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in the scroll. We, we saw that there are seven Beatitudes. There's a sixth Beatitude. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy. This prophecy is genuine. And when we go to chapter 1, 3, he said, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. This prophecy is genuine. You don't have to doubt it. You don't have to even debate it. It's very authentic. Like you have the Old Testament prophets. This is a genuine prophecy. Then he says, it should be read aloud in the churches. Um, I want, this is the last chapter, verse 18. I want everyone, he hears the words of the prophecy. You can read it, you can hear it only if it is read aloud because those days uh, they didn't have many copies. They probably they had one copy, one person has to read it aloud. And that's where we find in chapter one, verse three, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Uh, it should be read aloud in the churches. We should also read it and read it. Just in reading, there is a blessing in this book. And he says, this book has threefold authentication. Don't doubt the authenticity of this book because there is a threefold authentication. First is God. He says in the last chapter, Chapter verse 6, the angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God, God is behind this book. God is behind this book. And that's what he says in 1-1, one, one, the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him. So John is telling the authenticity don't think I was just dreaming or I was just imagining to myself. No, not at all. God, God gave this vision. And then he says, it is not only God, it is Christ, Jesus Christ. In 20 to 16, he says, I, Jesus, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I, Jesus, the first person, the second person, because in Revelation 1, 1, the revelation from Jesus Christ. Don't doubt this book. Don't doubt this book. Then he says, it has been mediated through an angel. 2216, I, Jesus, have sent my angel. And in Revelation 1, 1, he made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. So the angels who mediated this. So it is not, uh, the more you read the literary structure and you try to see this book, it's a wonderful book. You will not doubt it. And uh, you, will, you will rather try to read it more and more and try to understand this book. Now, towards the end, uh, John has emphasized few things in this, in this um, conclusion. John is emphasizing one, one issue is very clear that is coming soon. Jesus Christ will come soon. When we, when we go through the book of Daniel, Daniel was asked, do not um, you know, seal the record because the time has not yet come. But in the case of John, uh, we saw that the command is do not seal up the words of this prophecy because the time is near, because the time is near. So in this, in the last chapter, four times in the last chapter alone, four times John is telling that Jesus Christ will come soon. Not once, 
not twice, not thrice, four times. In this last chapter, if you read it carefully and we try to underline, John is saying Jesus will come soon. This is the last chapter, verse 6. Uh, he sent his angel to show his service the things that must soon take place. Just in the next verse, look, I'm coming soon. And in verse 12, look, I'm coming soon. And in verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I'm coming soon. Somewhere along the line, have we lost this urgency? The urgency with which God has conveyed this message, I'm coming soon, I'm coming soon, I'm coming soon. And if we try to see the rest of the book, how many times has he talked about coming soon in the rest, in the, that's in the, in the balance 21 chapters, you know, there's a 20, 22nd chapter, four times we find Jesus is coming soon, but from chapter 21 to 20, uh, chapter one to 21, we find only in three places where this word coming soon is there. Uh, that is in verse one, chapter one, one, two, 16, three. Only in these three places, we come across this word coming soon, but John wants to emphasize towards the end, Jesus Christ will come soon. Christ will come soon. And that interval is going to be short and educated people will find it difficult to understand because when we read the scripture, the this end will come it's 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 what we call is as moral rather than chronological in other words the educated people try to say that this event has happened next this event will happen no no revelation is not at all chronological this book has not been written so that we can sit and calculate and find out when jesus christ will come no that's not the purpose of this book the purpose of this book is very clear and will Jesus Christ will come and everyone who reads this book should live as though Christ is going to come today. That's, that is the essence and that is the urgency with which we are called to live. As children of God, we are called to live like that in this world. That Christ will come. This is not my place. I am not here to make a name for myself. I am not here to you know, save my treasures in this world. Not at all. That's why the Bible says, you put your treasures in heaven. Save there, not in this world. You have, we have to live like that. That is the urgency and that is the message that comes from God, Son of God, and the Spirit and the Bride. They both agree. And that is the essence. Every generation has to live as though Christ will come in their time. Not for us to calculate. It is true. When John wrote this, you know, uh, it's true that Rome did not fall immediately. At least it took a couple of centuries. But the, the, the meaning in this book, the essence of this book, the, the message in this book, that every generation has to live as though Christ is coming. That should be our commitment to our Lord. When we say Jesus is Lord, then the next one is Maranatha. Come Lord, come Lord. That should be our spirit. And that should be our passion. Come Lord. I'm not, I don't belong to this world. Though I am in this world, I do not belong to this world. God expects us to live like that. And if we struggle, oh, what's going to happen? Oh, when the end will come? If you have that fear, that means we love this world more than Christ. If you love Christ, we can even face death calmly, peacefully, boldly, knowing fully well where we will go.
that's the essence of this book. In fact, we should be watching, looking forward to the coming of our Lord. Um, we should never desire anything more than our Lord Jesus Christ. If you desire him so much, then we will always be saying, Maranatha, come Lord, come Lord, come Lord. It is like the bride waiting for the bridegroom, not concerned about what's happening around her. She's just waiting for the bridegroom to come. And that is the way we have been called to live, waiting for this bride. We are waiting for the bridegroom. We are the bride preparing ourselves, waiting for the bridegroom to come. And with the coming soon, there are also, uh, there are warnings. The warnings are, uh, as I said, you know, it's nice for us to say that everybody will be saved because God is a loving God. Uh, we can say that. That's my desire. And especially when you have your close members in the family um, who are not saved, it's a very nice, comforting uh, phrase. But uh, as I said, uh, the Bible does not give us that kind of liberty. In fact, this is a warning to the, if you read the church at Sardis, Laodicea, this is a warning to them. It was written to those churches. It was a warning to them. Get out of your complacency and follow Jesus Christ. Accept him. Today is the time, not tomorrow. Today is the time you accept him. And if you don't accept, you'll be outside the city gate. There's no way you can enter the city gate. So it also ends with the warnings. We should always realize the biblical language. Uh, when they write, uh, they, we call it as rhetorical function of the language. Uh, the rhetorical function of the language is not to give us exact date, time, seasons should keep that in mind. The Bible has not been written so that we can say on you know, 5th May uh, you know, 1959, this will happen, 2021, it'll happen. No, it's not Bible. People have done that. For years, they've done that and they've gone wrong. Bible doesn't give us the liberty. When we start doing that, we are playing like God. We are, we are playing the role of God. Because God is God of times and seasons. And when we try to say, even Jesus Christ, who knew very well that there's going to be a second coming, the world will come to an end. He said, no one knows except the Father. He knew this event will take place, but Jesus never took that prerogative to take the position of God the Father to say when it will take place. So it is not for us you know, people sell thousands of books uh, writing that when the end will come and people go and buy. No, end will come today. That's how we are supposed to live. We are not here to calculate when end will come. End may come after 100 years or 1,000 years. It's not for us. The very function of this book is to tell us you live in such a way as though the end will come today so that you are prepared. You know, that's, that's why you have the parable of the uh, brides, uh, bridesmaid. The, the five were wise. They had the oil in the lamp and the five were not wise. God, foolish uh, people. So God expects us to live like um, wise people. Be prepared. Jesus' return is always near, always near. Only God alone can give us the grace to live with this kind of attitude. Because his, his return is near, we must always remain watchful because he will come anytime. No, how the thief will, when the thief will come, no one knows. And God will come like that. He can come tonight. We have become little confident saying that, no, he will not come today because this is, no, the Bible doesn't give us that liberty. Jesus can come today. And we have to live like that. Then we saw that coming soon. Then you have warnings. 
obedience. God expects us to obey. That this prophecy is unsealed. It has not been sealed. It's been unsealed. Because the time, the end time has already begun. It is in progress. So, so we don't have the excuse of not knowing. The Bible says you better, we should obey. Uh, we are not here to identify with the worldly system. We are not here uh, to play with sin or to say I'm helpless. You know, I cannot overcome my sin. No, we don't have those excuses uh, because we know he's going to come with rewards and he will reward us according to our deeds. Our deeds will not take us to heaven, but we'll be rewarded according to our deeds. So every command that is there, we need to obey. We need to overcome our sins. When God, the Holy Spirit convicts us, we cannot say, I'm helpless. Well, my father was like that, so my nature is like that. No, not at all. Your you know, father's nature is not supposed to be your nature. You know, God's nature is supposed to be our nature. So we don't have that excuse. Uh, you know, too often Christians, they come with a the theology, God is a loving God. You go to him, you will forgive. Uh, you, know, you don't have to worry. Uh, so you just ask for forgiveness as though there are no consequences for the sins we have committed. No, this is absolutely a wrong teaching. God is a forgiving God, yes, but it does not mean that the sins that we have committed, for the sins we have committed, there will be no consequences. No way the Bible says. God will forgive, but the sins that we have committed there are consequences. And when people preach like this, you do whatever you want, just come to Christ, you'll forgive. And when they preach in the church, uh, that is wrong. That's wrong. We have to treat sin like COVID-19. We are wearing masks. We are washing our hands with sanitizer. We do so many things just for this little virus. And this sin virus is dangerous than that. So we cannot say that there'll be no consequences. There'll be consequences for the sin. So this book reminds us that there are, there are consequences to all the choices we make. Every day we make choices. Some other choices have become automatic default mode, but they have their consequences. So we have to constantly, we have to come into the presence of God and we have to ask for God's grace. We have to, we have to know that God's grace, we have to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We have to be prepared. But how do I end the Bible study of this book. I end the way John has ended. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. It is my prayer that the grace of the Lord Jesus will be with all of us. It is the grace of God which sustains us, which helps us to overcome our temptations. It is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ which stops us from falling into temptations. So let's grow in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, worshiping him, adoring him, and blessing him. I've, with this, we have finished the book of Revelation. If you have any questions, you can ask. Thank you, Pastor. It has Thank been a so great much, blessing. Uh, we have learned a lot and I really want to thank uh, you for taking the study. And uh, also I was uh, had the privilege of inviting a few of my close friends. They also are blessed joining the group. Thank you and we look forward for the next session. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. <clears throat> Thank you.
Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Uh, Pastor, I am uh, Johnson and uh, I've been a silent student uh, uh, all through the course and uh, it has been very useful to me. Um, we, have, uh, we have already, uh, we have also started uh, this same thing in Canada in our church and uh, and uh, our people are also learning this same thing. So uh, I, I, I really agree with all the teachings and uh, I really thank you for the teachings, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Paul. Uh, may God bless you as you go and teach. May your congregation also be blessed. Yes, thank you. Pastor, thank you so much. You have made this book very interesting. Earlier, I used to just skip because it was very boring for me. But uh, you have made it a very interesting book. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sister. Okay, if there are no doubts, uh, from next uh, Wednesday, uh, we are going to start the book of Proverbs uh, because this is a very practical book and uh, we'll definitely, God will bless as we, um, we'll be blessed as we go through this book. Uh, please uh, note this, we'll have the same Zoom ID it's the same one. There's no change in it. But the new password will be Proverbs instead of Revelation. Uh, from next Wednesday, it will be Proverbs. If any of your friends have been coming and they're not there today, uh, please share this with them. From next Wednesday, the password will be Proverbs. And um, I seek your prayer as I prepare you. you know, God will strengthen me. I need your prayers, your participation. Uh, I'm encouraged by all of you who came and you have been part of this book of Revelation. I, I only hope that it's a blessing to all of God's word is always a blessing. And um, I hope this will be, a, as we study the book of Revelation, uh, it will be a blessing to all of us. Okay. Uh, Pastor Prem, can you please say closing prayer? Father, you have been a good God, a gracious God. Father, we thank you for 41 weeks. Lord, you were with us, teaching us. Lord, all through this pandemic, Father, you enabled us to learn. Learn about your holiness, learn about your judgments, learn about your mercy, and learn about your grace, of oh God. Father, even as pastors, ended today, we pray that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ will be with all of us. Father, we'll rely upon your grace. Lord, our lives, our families, our ministries, Lord, our professions, everything, you will depend upon your grace after day. And above all, for us to grow in you, help us to tap into the, Lord, abundant grace that is available, O oh God. We thank you for your rich mercy and we thank you for your great to lead us in your path. Father, even as on the book of will be upon it. Thank you, Pastor. Sorry, Basai, Sorry, Father, we thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day. We thank you for anointing, anointing pastor to teach us these last 41 weeks. 
Father, I pray that your gracious hands will continue to re uh, rest upon us. Father, as Pastor ended saying, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Amen. Father, so let it be, Lord. Let your grace continue to be with us. It has been with us, Father, in our spiritual journey. And even this pandemic, we want that abundant grace to continue to flood our lives and help us to depend upon this abundant grace Lord, every day, every moment of our life. And Father, help us also to fall on your rich mercy and your great love. Father, anoint pastor as he prepares to teach the book of Proverbs. Anoint him, give him wisdom. Let many, many people be benefited. Bless to this teaching. Lord, we thank you for his Lord. Uh, Father, continue to bless him and his ministry. Bless him as well. We wish him that you prosper him in every Thanks you. We to learn to God. It will not just remain as in a lot of information for us, but it will begin to trust our lives. If it is just, let him be just still. Father, we will follow that pattern of God and bring glory to your name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Thank, Thank you, everybody. You, Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you.